Um, you join us uh, in our teaching series called The Apprentice. And we've been talking about that over the last number of weeks. Apprenticeship to Jesus simply means being with him and becoming more like him and then doing the things that Jesus did. And when Jesus went to be with the Father, he didn't say, go and build fabulous churches. He said, go and make disciples, didn't he? And that's what it's about. It's actually about making disciples. And we're thrilled that over nine years that together we have made disciples. And through him, but ourselves being the hands and feet of Jesus, being his disciples, being his followers, we have seen the kingdom released in a mighty way in our town and surrounding area. If we were to shut up shop today, which we're not going to do, there is a lasting impression on hundreds of lives in this town and far and wide. Many of you have come and others have gone. Many of you are still here with us and we continue to uh, push in to relationship with Jesus. And despite difficulties, despite, despite hardship and pain and suffering and the battle, which is part and parcel of it, we continue to get up in the morning and get out. We continue to try. One of the biggest things we learned over the last couple of days is a re-spelling of the word faith. We have uh, spelt the word faith. Many of you, if you've been around us, will know that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And that's something that we've taught and that's something that we do. But, uh, but over the last couple of days, we were reminded actually that faith is spelled T-R-Y. And there are several of us here that over months, maybe the last year or two, have just felt discouraged. Different things have happened. But we're in a place and in a season, I believe, right now where God is inviting us to keep going, to keep trying, to keep putting one foot in front of the other and remaining faithful to what God has called us as a people to. And what I'd like to do is invite uh, six people, six really brave people, uh, one by one, just to come and share uh, just a little bit of their story about the time that they've been with us as a church and how they have apprenticed themselves as a follower of Jesus and what that means and what that's looked like in their time with us. They don't know the batting order of who's up first to kind of go. So uh, that's a little bit of just keep them guessing, keep the old butterflies going in you. Um, but opening the batting, give her a warm welcome is Judith Montgomery Watson. Hello, everybody. I feel so nervous. I didn't think I would. And my daughter's just reminded me that I made her do a speech recently, and she thought she was going to pass out, so she thinks it's funny that I have to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> I started, well, we used to live um, in Lisburn, and we used to go to a church called Lisburn Christian Fellowship. And I'm originally from Island McGee, and I'm not sure why. We were actually hoping to move to Cross Gar because of my work. And we had 
three kids and just had a fourth kid. And a house came up for sale in Island Gay that was right beside my parents' house. And my husband thought, this would be a brilliant place to live. Let's go move back here. And I can never saying, okay, well, just, you know, I'm like, I'm not sure about this, but okay, put a bid in. And they accepted it straight away. And it was like, oh, no. So anyway, we were trying to find somewhere, moving back. And obviously, the people in Island McGee wanted us to go to the church that we went to whenever I lived in Island McGee. But I just felt it wasn't really right. And I spoke to the people in the church that we went to in Lisburn, because it was a really brilliant church. And I'll be honest, I would like to have still been able to go there because I really loved that church. But they said, well, look, do you know what? There's this new church starting in Carrick Fergus. It's called the Vineyard Church. And, you know, that would be a great church to go to. You'll probably really fit in really well there. So they were meeting on a Thursday night um, in Zoo Park. And... We were still living in Lisburn, even though we had a house in Island McGee because of the kids at school and things. And Joshua, my youngest, he was um, six months old. So I couldn't kind of leave him because it was like a 50-minute drive away. So I had to bring him with me. So this first night, it was like in October, and it wasn't very nice, and all the weather was terrible. I managed to drag myself away from the other three, and I got there. And <clears throat> I had Josh in like this papoose thing because it's just so much easier. And uh, I went to the door, and Chantelle came out to me, and she said to me, I'm really sorry, but the cafe's shut. This is Kat Fergus Vineyard. And I went, yes, that's what I'm here for. And she's like, oh, 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 okay, then come on in. Because <laughs> there was nobody else with children there. And I had Josh this purpose thing so anyway I went in and it was very nice and we all were singing a time of worship it was lovely and um and then I tried to come back another few times and then I mean I don't know if I'm going to say now but did we not go to the point bar for a while we did and I can remember thinking the first night you know like why are we in a bar but anyway so we persevered and then we ended up coming here and that was great. So we finally had somewhere that we could have all the kids and do stuff with the kids. And Chantelle and Gillian started looking at having children's groups. So um, obviously because I had four children and took up most of the children's groups, <laughs> I was asked if I would help as well. So um, I don't... I still, you know, I wasn't quite sure why they would want to ask me because I was actually quite looking forward to getting rid of my kids. But... Um, People have this mad idea about me that I'm actually really maternal and love kids. And I can remember whenever we first had our eldest boy, Adam, and thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with him? I hope he doesn't like die of neglect or something, because I have no idea what I'm going to do. But one of the things that I've learned with children is it's actually really easy. All you have to do is love them and listen to them. And I have learned as much from my children as they have learned from me. So anyway, I was roped into doing sparklers. And there's a whole lot of people that do sparklers, not just me. I do it once every four weeks. And um, so that's really what I'm going to talk to you about now is about sparklers. I have to put my glasses on because I'm getting really old now and I can't, I can see, well, I can't see anybody now. I can see you now, but now I need to do this. So anyway, <coughs> so I ended up doing sparklers and my biggest challenge to start with was trying to remember the kids' names. I am not great with kids' names and some of our kids have got fabulous names. And at, at the beginning, we all knew each other uh, there's loads of people sitting here today, and I've probably never spoken to you, and I'm really sorry about that. 
um, but I know all your children. So anybody here who's got a young child who's been through sparklers, I know all about you guys. <laughs> there is nothing I don't know about you guys. Because one of the things about kids is they love to tell you stuff. And we have such a class time together. It really is good fun. And I mean, there is very few times when I have actually thought, why am I doing this? Because we have such good fun and they tell you all this stuff. And um, they come in and we have craft. And some of the kids, they love doing craft. And so they're really into it and they like drawing. And other kids are like, I don't want to do that. So that's fine. So they go off and do other things. And there's ones that have particular toys that they really like. And they want to play with that. Um, and we all get all great and we have all this. And the whole time we're, t we're talking to them about God and saying we things about God and explaining that. And most of the time I'm sure it goes over them. But we're talking into them, talking into them. And then we have the story and we tell them a little bit more. So there's a purpose to every time they walk into Sparklers. And um, they take it all in because they're like sponges and they want to know more. But for me, the best bit of all <coughs> is when we have a time of prayer. And we have prayed for everything like man. We have prayed for ingrown toenails, headaches, everything. We have prayed for them, for sick cats, dogs. But the thing that I've learned about children is when children pray, they expect it to be answered. And as adults, we don't. Sometimes we think, well, I mean, I find myself thinking this, um, oh, no, if I, I should really have read my Bible a bit more this week, so I'm not sure if God's going to listen to this prayer. But kids, they, they expect it to happen. So we pray expecting an answer, and it's nothing sophisticated. It's just straightforward to say it. And then with my own children, I pray with my children. I pray over my children. And sometimes my children make me feel, oh, because something will be happening, something will go wrong, and I'm thinking, Right, I'm the adult here, I have to, I'm in control, everything's good. And inside I'm thinking, oh no, what am I going to do now? Why is this happening? And a little voice will say, it's okay, mum, we will pray about it. And I think, why did I not think of that? Yes, we will, we'll pray about it. And we pray about a lot of stuff in our house, random things like, will the cars stop? Don't let the traffic lights change colour. Let's get to the train in time. We pray about all this stuff. But we pray expecting it to be answered. And that is what the children have taught me. And each of the children who come to Sparklers are unique and they're all different. And that's all good. That's what we want. Because as adults, we know that's what we have to be. But God has already been speaking into my heart recently about seeds. And any of you who do know me, you know how much I like planting things. I've got a big garden. I have a polytunnel. Nothing makes me happier than going and planting things and then seeing them grow. And it's just really exciting. And um, <clears throat> I believe that at this church, we do plant seeds in our children. And they might realize that they're having those seeds planted in them. I believe that that's what happens with my own children. And children will go through stages of saying to you, oh, I don't know, I, I, Mom, you're a scientist. How can you believe all that stuff about Adam and Eve? And, and, but evolution, and like, Mom, how can you believe all that stuff? And I have to say to them, well, I do believe in the science, but I also believe in God, and I can't explain it to you, but I just have faith, and I just accept it. And there's things in life you have to do that with. But every now and again, I see evidence of that seed growing inside my children, because although they might fight against it now and again, when things go wrong, and I'll say to them afterwards, like I got very sick about two years ago on holiday, and it was really touch and go, 
And um, I can remember when we got home and everything was getting back to normal, saying to one of them, you know, I'm really sorry about what happened there. And, um, but, you know, I don't know how that meant you, made you feel and how you're feeling now about it. You know, mum's going to be okay now. <coughs> and they said to me, let's put it this way, mum. I prayed, I begged big time when we were on holiday. So you know that um, when you speak words of encouragement over your children and you pray over your children, it will bear fruit. It mightn't bear fruit until they're 50 or 40 or whatever, but it will bear fruit and they will always go back to it. Now, as my children grew up, they've gone through um, all the sparklers and rockets and everything and they've started helping in kids' ministry and sometimes they don't really want to get out of bed and go to kids' ministry, but they get a lot out of being here and that seed's still being implanted in them and they're encouraging other children. And it's been, it's been great. Now, about two years ago, I'm going to put my hands up and say, I said to Jillian, do you know what? I think I might do something different. I might go and do one of, maybe help with the ladies or something. I'd like to do something different. And she said to me, well, that's great. Thank you for being so honest, Judith. But could you do sparklers next Sunday? So I'm still in sparklers. And I do believe that that is where I'm supposed to be. And I will hopefully keep doing that. So our conference was called Legacy, and Legacy meaning what are we doing today that is going to affect people tomorrow? And one of the things from day one that we've been really, really clear about is investing in our children and young people, because we believe that what they inherit from us, they're going to take things further and further and further, and it is so important. I know that as Judith is speaking there, there will be some of your hearts coming to light. Some of you that once previously might have been on one of the teams or some of you that have never been uh, on one of the teams, but as those words were being spoken, something ignited in you and you're like, flip, I want a slice of that. I want to get involved in that. And by doing that, you're not signing up for years and years as Judith has been. You, you, you do have permission to step back, you know, but if that's the case and something's been ignited in you, please speak to Judith afterwards and uh, she would love to have a conversation with you, I'm sure. So whenever we started the church, I think we had one teenager. That was Nathan. I don't think Hannah, where are you, dear? You weren't quite a teenager when we started? Nine years ago? Ten, you would have been. Yes. So you are our only teenager, still with us. Handsome young man. But we had... a this live wire of a boy that just used to run around like a headless chicken and he's growing up to be an incredibly handsome young man. Must take after his mummy. <laughs> Harry Norton, come and share. Hello. Uh, I'm Harry. I'm 15. I've been going here for nine years. <laughs> um, my first experience in church was with Gillian Grant in Rockets. Um, she's the first one to journey the Bible with me and show me the practical uses of the Bible um, by going into Carrick and uh, praying for healing on the streets. Um, as I grew up, 
I went into Sold um, with Andy Hart. <laughs> he brought me to my first Summer Madness, which is great. <laughs> um, it helped me connect with other Christians from other churches and make more friends. Um, he was also the one who gave me the idea to get baptized, which was five years ago now. Um, and then when Andy left, Emma uh, joined, and Emma's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she, she's so like approachable that anything I have like wrong, I can just go to her, and she'll help me with it. Um, a little over a year ago, uh, last summer, was when Nathan and Sergi invited me to join the worship. Um, and it's been really good. Uh, it's encouraged me uh, because it shows they have faith in me that I can actually play. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I hope to invest in other people in five to ten years like these people have all invested in me. Excellent. Julie Burgess. This is an exceptional young woman, Julie Burgess. Sorry I'm dressed like Rick Astley today. I didn't actually, I kind of forgot. Um, so um, I've been coming here for seven years. Um, whenever I first came, we were facing this way. Um, for worship, yeah. Um, but I suppose what really um, I've learned over the kind of seven years I've been here was just simply how to walk in obedience with God um, and what that looks like. And um, I suppose that's just my way of responding. My obedience is my way of responding to who God is. And in doing that, I get to experience the fullness of God and all that he has to um give us in this life and for that that could be uh, the big pits like um, taking the risks and trying something that hasn't been tried before and the scary moments where we're going to step out and we don't really know what's going to happen but God calls us to be obedient in that um, and it's really lovely to be a part of a community that is so releasing in doing that and is also really supportive so that whenever it does mess up um, they're there and there's grace there to keep on going with that. Um, right down to the other moments where God's maybe asking us to be obedient and it's just simply to show up whenever it's the very last thing that you want to do um, is show up or um, speak out or um, maybe in my case it's hold your tongue <laughs> but but in whatever those moments are in those simple moments just allowing that obedience um, with God really to plant those seeds and to build the foundation and um, for all to build his kingdom upon so I think that's it. Philip Milnes, you're up. I, uh, I asked Phil as he walked in this morning. So uh, he hasn't had a whole lot of time to prepare. Go for it. Um, yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, <laughs> I've scrambled together a few notes here um, just to put some order into it. Um, Leslie, my wife, and I, we have been uh, with Carrick Fergus Vineyard 
um, for nine years um, from the very first night. Um, and I'll be honest with you, it's been a roller coaster for me. Um, when things have been going well, it's very well. When things have not been going so well, I'm out the door. Um, and whilst I have been here for nine years, you've, a lot of you probably don't know me or ever seen me. Um, I tend to sit at the back and hide in the shadows. But that's just my personality. Um, uh, yeah, so my, my background is uh, I would come from the corporate world, uh, commercial world of advertising and design. And you're taught from a very early age, failure is not good. Failure is unacceptable. And you're constantly being taught to strive for the best. You're winning tenders. You're winning business. There's no place for failure. So um, when I joined this church, you know, um, through various moments and experiences, I was all in. I was all in for God. Um, when things started getting tough, I made for the door. Um, and this was consistent. And Paul coined it as a cat and mouse um, relationship with God. Um, and I just couldn't work out uh, why this was why this was so. Um, and for me, um, you know, I felt like I was out in the wilderness, you know, but again, rec as recently as last night, I've come to realize that I've been in a training ground. Um, I haven't been out on my own. I've been in training. And there's so many people here um, in church over the nine years who have invested so much time in me. Um, and, it, you know, at the time, I just didn't realize it. Um, but as recently as maybe three, four months ago, um, I came to the realization that what is, you know, the thing that is stopping me from my true identity in God's kingdom is fear. And that's not easy, an easy thing to admit, especially for us men. Um, and even, even in my personal life, I'm taught to be brave. You're taught to not run away from confrontation or fights as a child. Um, and I had this expectation on me, not from God, but just from people around me, family, and um, to stand up and fight. Failure is unacceptable. Running away is totally unacceptable. So when the going started getting tough, my reaction was, if I disengage, if I move away, um, I don't have to face those battles. Um, and so I suppose... As, as I say, re as recently as this year, I sat down uh, with, with Paul, actually, um, and confronted those fears. And it's the first, first time I've ever admitted, yes, I do get afraid. Yes, I am afraid of the unexpected. I'm afraid when people like Paul grab me at the front door <laughs> and say, I need you to speak in half an hour. Normally, I would say, right, Paul, I'm not doing that. I'm getting in my car and go. So there is that um, element of trust. Trust is a big, big word for me. Um, I've come to learn and trust that God is never going to set you up. God is never going to set you up for a failure. He's never going to trip you up or embarrass you. Um, he's there when you least expect it. And in, I'm self-employed now, and my business is unbelievable, up and down, up and down. Um, and throughout my journey, when the going's good, it's really good. When it's tough, it is super tough. But God has always been there. 
Um, and that's, again, being here nine years, I've learned to trust God. Um, there's always enough food on the table. There's provision. Um, and I think the thing that I've come to realize most is um, the fear and anxiety. That's not my identity. That is 100% not my identity. And come to, coming to realize that gives you such a massive sense of freedom um, to do the things that you're designed to do for God. Um, and, you know, I would never, ever have thought, people have said to me, you have a spiritual gift of prophecy. And when I first heard that, I just thought, you're bonkers. I'm out the door. <laughs> and I did. I literally just disengaged. And I thought, that's not me. But again, it was that cloud over my um, identity in God's kingdom. And even from my background in the commercial sector, um, his upside down kingdom is his power is in your weakness, which is just so against um, everything I've taught. So in the last nine years, my whole trail of thinking has just been unraveled and it's been rebuilt while I've been out in the wilderness. And whilst I thought it was a negative thing, it's actually a good thing because of all the d stuff was taken out there. I had enough provision. Um, I never went without food. My family are well cared for, but he was always there. And when you look back, something that was said last night, my, when I look at my life, I look at it in snapshots and say, failure, failure, failure. But I think the big thing is to look at the whole picture um, and look at the whole story. And when you look at the whole story, you'll just see success, success, success. Um, so for me, these nine years, as I said, have been terrifying, um, especially when Paul says we all get to play. Um, I just clench in my seat. Um, and anybody who knows me knows that that's my way. Um, but um, I think I am beginning to loosen up. And it, yeah. And I am, I am excited about the next nine years and beyond. Um, and all I would say is, you know, for me, uh, my attitude towards the future is a big yes to, to God. Um, and whatever he has lined up for me, um, I'm going to do it. It's not going to be easy, and I, I still have a fear, but it's not gripping me anymore. It's, it's being released. Um, and now that I know that that, is my, that it was my weakness, I can confront it um, and deal with it. So thank you. Wonderful. So when we started the church, we were a relatively young church, and uh, m most people that joined us were kind of, sort of our age and younger, um, with the exception of Terry and Kathy Cavan, who, uh, who, who were part of our church from the early days. And uh, Terry, it's so good to have you. I spoke about you last week, and you were golfing. But I'm so glad that you're not golfing today. Come and join us and, uh, and just share what you have to say. Yes, I did listen to it last week, in fact, and... Uh, it was like taking your, your firstborn out to buy a car. <laughs> so it was, it was both a pleasure and a privilege to be asked to be partaking of it, I have to say. It was lovely. Uh, yes, we've been 
in the church nine years. When I joined the church, came to the church, uh, I wasn't a Christian. Uh, we'd been here a couple of years before we had our, our first weekend out in Newcastle, and it was during that time, uh, on the last Sunday, that I stood up and decided I was going to become an apprentice. Uh, an exciting time, yeah? If I could just take you, if I'll just go back in time a bit. Whenever uh, I was at school, which is a long, 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 long time ago, uh, whenever you got the fourth year, you'd made some career choices. It was a significant year because the previous year, England had won the World Cup. Nobody's ever mentioned that since, I know, but uh, they did apparently. Uh, the troubles were starting to fizz a bit, but hadn't really erupted. But whenever you, you got the fourth year, you were either continuing on with your education or you were leaving school and you were going to take up an apprenticeship because you wanted to be uh, a motor technician or you wanted to be a, an electrician or whatever the case may be. So you, you took up an apprenticeship. An apprenticeship was uh, governed by the fact that you had to be between the ages of 16 and 21. If you were 14, you were far too young. If you were 40, you were way past. There was no way. You were far too old. I was 60 when I took up my apprenticeship. So uh, I really want to now probably speak out to those people who maybe didn't come and take up an apprenticeship when they were in their teens. And there may be some of you sitting here today. Chantelle alluded to it earlier on whenever she was speaking. Uh, it's never too late. The train has not left the station. You sometimes maybe don't feel worthy because, as I say, you, you know, you know, you've got all your past hanging on to you, you know, that anchors you in the past and doesn't allow you to move forward. My problem was not considering myself to be worthy. Strangely enough, God spoke to me. I get a bit cynical when I say things like that because he didn't appear uh, as a regular shaped vegetable or face in the clouds or something like that there. <laughs> he did speak to me. And I'm not a very good listener. Kathy will tell you, you know, we'll be sitting in our room. Kathy will be giving it all this because she is quite talkative. <laughs> and then it'll go quiet and I think, She's speaking to me there. There's nobody else apart from the two dogs in there. So I'm not a great listener. So God knew this. So he put in front of me, I was doodling away, as opposed to ringing, I was doodling away on the computer, uh, just surfing about. And he put 10 words in front of me. And the words were not Bible words, because God, prob well, God doesn't do probably. God knew that if they were biblical words, I probably I wouldn't read them. The words came from an irregular source. The words came, there are 10 words, and they came from, uh, of all people, Oscar Wilde. And basically the words said that every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. So if you're standing on that railway station and you think the train has left because you're too old, it hasn't. There's, you stand there with a ticket, your name's on the ticket, and it was paid for 2,000 years ago. Wow, I've just loved, loved listening to all those incredible, powerful, life-changing stories. I'm aware that most of those stories are from people that have been around us a while. And I just want to encourage folks that you've not been with us for so long, that you're really, really welcome. And if the Father has led you to be part of our family, you're so welcome. And we want you to 
be a part of what God is doing, journeying life with him, with each other, as we apprentice, give ourselves to him and allow him to change us, but not to change just to change us, but to use us in this kingdom story that he's invited us into. It's wonderful. It's absolutely brilliant.